support, amen, and uh, I just love it. And uh, I know I understand that uh, a building sure does make things a little more convenient, a little bit easier. Uh, but folks, this was our roots, all right? Our forefathers, they didn't have, a lot of them didn't have buildings. They met where they could meet at. And uh, so uh, a little bit of a uh, kickback and throwback to that this morning. Mark chapter 1 is where I'm going to be at this morning. And uh, Mark chapter 1, I'm going to read a couple verses to you here. Uh, verses 9 through 13. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And uh, here's what the Bible says. If you got your Bible, of course, you can follow along. And I'm not going to have you stand this morning, all right? You're okay sitting in your car. Uh, but And by the way, let me just say this. If uh, I may not be able to hear you say amen, but if uh, you uh, uh, if you want to respond somehow, you can honk your horn, all right? And you can do it that way. There you go, all right? And uh, that way you can let me know that uh, uh, instead of saying amen, do something like that. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. Uh, here's what the Bible says. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Again, we thank you. We praise you. We ask you bless us and bless our service today and bless the preaching of your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Twice in that passage I read to you, you see where it talked about Jesus was in the wilderness. And uh, I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, what happens when you go outside? What happens when you go outside? This is outside Sunday, all right? In our text, Jesus uh, was uh, in the wilderness. He was out away from his uh, normal activity, away from where people were at, and he accomplishes some things there. And, uh, and I don't know about y'all, but I love the outdoors. I like being outside. Now, maybe on certain days more than others, okay? Uh, maybe when the sun shines a little bit, the temperature a little warmer. Uh, but I like the outdoors. I like having outside Sunday. And uh, again, I know it's something we don't do all the time, but I'm thankful when we do get to do it. Let me tell you what you find out as you read through the scriptures, you read through the life of Jesus. Jesus spent a lot of time outdoors. In fact, it says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus saith unto them, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Hey, Jesus didn't own a home. He didn't have one particular place he was at all the time. He was out and about everywhere. And when you read the Gospels, here's what you find. You find Jesus praying and teaching on the mountain. You find Jesus feeding of the 5,000 in a great open field. You find Jesus preaching and traveling in a boat. You find Jesus walking from town to town. And everywhere you go, you know, most of the time, you found Jesus outside. Now, here's the question I want to ask us this morning, and this will kind of be the theme of the message. Are you and I willing to go outside just like Jesus did? You say, wait a minute, preacher, are you kidding me? We're outside right now. Of course we're willing to go outside. Listen, I'm not talking about outside of your house. I'm not talking outside of a building. I'm not talking about even having a church service in the great outdoors. The spiritual application is this. Are you willing to do what Jesus did and set, step outside of your comfort zone? Outside of what comes naturally and easy. Hey, how about this? Outside of yourself. Outside of yourself. You see, the wilderness in which Jesus was driven represents his willingness to face down spiritual battles. 
his willingness to do something that wasn't necessarily physically comfortable, but was spiritually profitable. He was willing to go outside because of his love and his ultimate example for us. I believe that he's waiting for us as his children to find out what happens when we go outside. So let me give you a couple things on this subject this morning. What happens when you go outside? Well, when you come outside today, you get cold, amen? And uh, we need that breeze to stop. So uh, we'll see if the Lord will help us with that. All right, here we go. What happens when you go outside? Well, let's look what happened to Jesus when he went outside. Number one, how about this church? You please the Father. You please the Father. Talking back about Jesus' baptism at the end when he was baptized, Here's what it said, uh, and there come a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. And listen, folks, that was the voice of the Father coming down from heaven, expressing his pleasure in the fact that his Son was accomplishing his ministry. By the way, this wasn't the only time that God the Father spoke from heaven. In Mark chapter 7, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, it says that this is one that on the Mount of uh, Transfiguration, when Jesus was transfigured uh, before his disciples, why yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And hear ye him. Listen, folks, you know what Jesus did in his ministry? He pleased the Father. Everywhere he went, everything he did, he pleased God the Father. He said of himself in John chapter 8, verse 29, I do always those things that please him. Hey, how about this, church? Can we say that? Can we make that statement about the lives that we live? Can it be said of us that we always do those things that please the Father? You see, Jesus, by leaving the comforts of his home in Nazareth, by coming on the scene when John saw him and declared him to be the Son of God, and he began his public ministry of preaching and teaching and healing and helping, and most importantly, going to Calvary and paying the price for our sin, by doing all these things and many more, Jesus pleased the Heavenly Father. And you know what our goal ought to be as God's people? To please him as well. To please the Father as well. Listen, folks, we don't have time to even go there this morning, but there's verse after verse after verse that talks about our responsibility as God's people to please Him. How about this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4? The Bible says, No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please Him who hath chosen Him to be a soldier. That he may please Him who hath chosen Him to be a soldier. How about this verse, Hebrews 11, 6? But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what happens, church, when you decide to go outside? I'll tell you what happens. If you go outside of yourself and you decide to follow God, you will please the Father. Number two, what else happens? How about this? You engage in spiritual battle. It said in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew's account of, of what we read in the, in the book of Mark. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Hey, you know what you find out after you get saved? You find out that this thing uh, called the Christian life, it's not always easy. You find out it's not always fun. It seems like that there's things against you that's trying to keep you from being a successful Christian. It kind of seems like you might just be in a battle. Guess what? You better believe you're in a battle, amen? 
And when you decide that you're going to go outside of what everybody else thinks, you're going to go outside of what's easy and comfortable, you're going to go outside of pleasing the flesh and pleasing the devil and giving in to the things of this world, guess what you're going to find out? You're going to face a battle. You're going to face a battle. But you know what? I want you to notice some things about this battle that, that, that we engage in as Christians. You know what you find out about this battle? You find out that spiritual battles are a part of God's plan. Notice what it said back with the verse I read, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Hey, it was God's will for Jesus to go in that wilderness and face spiritual battles. It is part of God's plan for us as Christians. By the way, let me tell you what spiritual battles do. Hey, they help you be strong. And let me tell you, if we've ever needed Christians to be strong, it's in the day and age we're living in. Spiritual battles are a part of God's plan. Not only that, spiritual battles must be fought in the power of the Spirit and not in the flesh. Notice it was no coincidence that before Jesus faced down the spiritual battle, it said he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards was a hunger. Now listen, folks, some of us can't go 40 minutes without being hungry, all right? Could you imagine what Jesus did? They tell us, uh, uh, doctors, uh, medical doctors, tell us that uh, 40 days is just about as long as a human body can go without food. Literally, it takes your body to the edge of death. But Jesus did that because you know what he was trying to show us? That if you're going to be successful in spiritual battles, you got to fight them the spiritual way. Now, I'm thankful not every time you got to fast 40 days to be successful in a spiritual battle. But let me tell you, the principle is this. you got to face down the flesh. Amen? Listen, the flesh will weaken you, but the Spirit will strengthen you. Amen? So spiritual battles must be fought in the Spirit. In, in the spirit. How about this? Spiritual battles will reveal your weak areas. It says this of Jesus, that afterwards he was a hungered. And then Satan came to him, and the first recorded temptation, it said, Satan said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. Listen, Satan went after Jesus' weakness of hunger. Now, I'm not saying by being weak, Jesus was sinful. He wasn't. But he had the limitations of human flesh. And I'm going to tell you, just like you'd be hungry after not eating for 40 days, Jesus was hungry after not eating 40 days. And Satan knew what his weakness was. And Satan came right after his weakness. And that's why as Christians, we've got to know ourselves. We've got to know the areas we're weak in. And through the help of God, we've got to strengthen those areas in our lives. The book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, calls it our besetting sins. And every single one of us as Christians have things that we're weak in. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that's what Satan's going to come after you after. And then how about this? This is good. Spiritual battles can be won. Spiritual battles can be won. Let me tell you, Jesus demonstrated this by how he faced down the devil. And by the way, every single thing Satan threw at him, Jesus came out victorious. You know why? Because when Satan came at him, Jesus didn't try to uh, uh, beat him with some kind of cute philosophy. No, he went right to the Word of God, as it is written. And every single temptation, everything Satan brought at him, Jesus was successful because he used the power of the Word of God. Amen. That's right. Amen. I better heard some horns honk on that one, all right? Listen, we too as Christians, if we're going to win spiritual battles, you got to do it the spiritual way, and that's through the Word of God. So what happens when you go outside? Number one, you please the Father. Number two, you engage in spiritual battle. 
Number three, this is good now. Come on, it's just going to keep getting gooder and gooder. You say, that's not a word. It is now, amen. It's going to keep getting gooder and gooder. Here's what happens. When you go outside, you illuminate the darkness. You illuminate the darkness. After Jesus faced down Satan, now don't miss these verses. I'm going to read them to you because these are good. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus has heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zabulon and, and Nephilim, that he might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, listen to these verses, church, that the land of Zabulon, the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region of the shadow of death, life has sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One of the places Jesus went when he first uh, came out of that wilderness and when he began his earthly ministry, he went to this place called the land of Zabulum and the land of Nephilim. Now let me tell you what's interesting about that. The Bible says it's the place where the people sat in the shadow of death. If you study the geographical region of that, it was people literally that worshipped the death cult. They worshipped these false gods where they would sacrifice their children to these false gods. And listen, this was no accident where Jesus went. He went there to this geographical location for a reason, for a purpose. And let me tell you what he did, folks. He went there to illuminate the darkness. Amen? We sing about it during our Sunday school opening assembly of time. We sing about this little light of mine that we're going to let it shine. We sing about hiding under a bushel. We sing about not let Satan blow it out. Folks, listen to me. That's not some just cute Sunday school song. That ought to be a philosophy that is God's people we live by. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light to them that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen to me, church. You'll never enlighten anyone to the truth if you're not willing to get outside and let your light shine. In case you haven't noticed, this world's in darkness. This world's in darkness. John chapter 12, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Listen, folks, this world is spirit, a spiritually dark place. There's people that are, are uh, in bondage to spiritual darkness. And you know what they need? They need someone to illuminate their hearts and minds from darkness to light. By the way, guess what? That's where you and I as God's people come in. Amen? We are to be the lights in this dark world. But let me say this to you. You'll never illuminate anything if you're not willing to get outside and let your light shine. Too many Christians are hiding our lights inside. We don't want to get outside. We don't want to get outside where it's dark. We don't want to get outside where it's uncomfortable. We want to stay in the house where, where it's warm. We want to stay in the place that's in our comfort zone. But the problem with that, folks, if we don't get outside, we're not going to illuminate the darkness the way God wants for us to. So number one, what happens when you go outside? You please the Father. Number two, you engage in spiritual battle. Number three, you illuminate the darkness. Number four, here we go. You have a good influence on other people. Again, let's keep reading in Matthew chapter 4. Here's what it says. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, 
casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, and his ship, with Zebedee, his father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. Notice here the influence, the good influence Jesus had upon people. Again, if you notice that progression in life. When you get outside and please the Father, you'll engage in spiritual battle. Uh, when you get outside and engage in spiritual battle, you'll illuminate the darkness. And by the way, when you start illuminating the darkness, you'll have the right influence on other people. I love following Jesus through the Gospels. I love watching him take a handful of rough around the edges fishermen and turning them into the ones that will eventually turn the world upside down and be responsible for spreading the gospel around the whole world, folks. Listen, talk about influence. Talk about influence. You and I have no idea whose life we might be influencing for right when we step outside of ourselves and do things God's way. I read an illustration I want to read to you this morning. It's uh, Here's the title of this illustration. It's called... It started with a Sunday school teacher. It started with a Sunday school teacher. It was the year 1858 in the city of Boston. Edward Kimball was a young Sunday school teacher who made it a habit to personally give each student in his class an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as the Savior. He was concerned about one of his students who worked in a shoe store. One day, Kimball visited the young man at the store where he found him in the back stocking shelves and he witnessed to him and led him to Christ. The student was a man named Dwight L. Moody, who eventually left the shoe business to become one of the greatest evangelists of all times. Moody became an international speaker and toured the British Isles. He preached in a little chapel pastored by a young man named Frederick Meyer. In his sermon, he told the story of a Sunday school teacher. The message changed Pastor Meyer's ministry, inspiring him to become an evangelist like Moody. Meyer eventually preached in America in Northfield, Massachusetts, where a young preacher heard him say, if you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, you're, you are willing to be made willing. That remark led J. Wilbur Chapman to respond to God's call in his life. Wilbur Chapman went on to become an, an effective evangelist. He enlisted the help of a volunteer named Billy Sunday, who helped him set up for his crusades. Billy Sunday learned how to preach by watching Chapman and eventually took over Chapman's ministry, becoming a dynamic evangelist. Billy Sunday's preaching brought thousands to Christ. Inspired by Billy Sunday's crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, a group of Christian men dedicated themselves to reaching their city for Christ. They invited an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to become and to come and hold a series of meetings. The year was 1932. A local farmer loaded up his pickup truck with neighbors and brought them to the meetings. One was a 16-year-old boy who sat in the crowd each night, spellbound by the message. Each evening, the preacher seemed to be shouting and waving his finger at the young man. Night after night, the teenager came, and finally on the last night, he went forward and gave his life to Christ. That teenager's name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham, of course, communicated the gospel to more people uh, than probably maybe any other person in history. Many, many people were led, thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people were led to Christ through his ministry. Now, how did all this happen, folks? It all happened because one Sunday school teacher had influence. One Sunday school teacher had influence. And folks, let me tell you this, you have no idea who you're influencing. 
And that's why it's important in this journey that we live called life, that we step outside just as Jesus did outside of ourselves, outside of our comfort zones, outside of our fears, and do just what Jesus did and impact people for eternity. So 2023, on this brisk, chilly April morning, as we meet out here on this church property, we have this outdoor service. Here's the question. Are you willing to come outside? Are you willing to get outside for God? Are you willing to step outside and see what God can do? Because let me tell you what's going to happen when you do. You please the Father. You'll be able to engage in spiritual battle. You'll illuminate the darkness. And then you can have influence on other people. Let us pray. Lord, we love you this morning.